0: We were originally approached to do what was then a new show called Unplugged. And we said, well, what's the idea of it? They said, well, instead of having a big electric plugged-in band, we want you to be on acoustics. We want it to be as uh, unplugged as possible. So we got kind of excited about that. We said, who's done it before us? And they named a couple of other bands that had done it. And we said, were they totally unplugged? They said, well, no, it was like... A couple of guitars were sort of actually plugged in. We said, oh, that's cheating, you know. So so we made it a point to actually rehearse and to play the whole show as acoustic as we could possibly be. So you'll find that Hamish there is on an acoustic bass instead of plugging in an electric bass, which is kind of hard to do, you know, to get a good sound on something like that. We had the great Jeff Emmerich doing our sound on the show, and I think Jeff rose to the challenge. We'd rehearsed uh, a bunch of songs, tried to keep it a kind of unusual selection so that there was a slightly historical, interesting angle to the stuff we were playing. We did it in Wembley, in London, and did it live in front of an audience. It was recorded live. I think the record went out exactly as we recorded it.
1: Welcome to this week's Winlayers Fab. I'm Ed Chan. And I'm John Stone. Not much news this week, although we did get a handful of photos we've never seen before.
2: Someone finally went to the (laughs) drugstore.
1: You made that joke before. Have I?
2: Damn.
1: (laughs) Oh, well. We're not comedians here, although we
2: like to pretend. (laughs) Right. And I only have six jokes anyway, so give me a break.
1: Uh, one of the fellows from uh, sounds incorporated alan boots holmes uh, they were actually part of the beatles world for a good long while they had hooked up with tony sheridan in hamburg in the later years and then they showed up with the beatles on shindig in 64 and they were opening act for the entire 65 world tour
0: At this time, we'd like to feature some Beatle music in our show because, as you know, we work with them. They're very good friends of ours. But being very different from the Beatles ourselves, we use many, many instruments that you probably know of. And we'd like to see if you can spot just a few cor anglais and cellos and things in a Beatle medley.
2: And their relationship even went further because they played on Sgt. Pepper.
1: Three of the horns came up and played on Good Morning, Good Morning. Now, did they run into David Crosby when they were there? (laughs) Nothing hugely exciting. The photos that were released were from Shendig. These are indoor photos. There are apparently uh, some more backstage and live photos, which they haven't released yet. They are being sold with the copyright. What they tell us is that there's 12 rolls of film. Approximately 49 two by two color transparencies and approximately 38 original prints from the negatives. The Shindig photos, they're kind of cool because there are photos of each of the Beatles and in none of them are they smiling.
2: <laughs> right. They look like they're working.
1: <laughs> There's a couple pictures of Paul where one of them he's just like staring at the camera. Why are you taking my picture now? <laughs> Right. So anyway, be on the lookout for them. The ones that were released you can see at the auction site, I'm sure the whole thing, will be out on the internet soon enough.
2: Check around.
1: The other thing from that set was a photo from early 1962. This was during the uh, little period when Ringo had left Rory Storm and before he rejoined Rory Storm. He was in Hamburg. He was playing in Tony Sheridan's band, and Sounds Incorporated came by, and I don't know if they were playing the Star Club at the time or if they were just hanging out, but there are photos of Ringo and a very young uh, 16-year-old Billy Preston along with what would appear to be the rest of Sounds Incorporated. Very, very young Billy Preston. The center of the photo is Billy Preston, and Ringo seems to be holding Billy up. Yeah, they are
2: very close. It's a cool photograph. Ringo has a little bit of a beetle haircut, I think, but he's also in Germany.
1: <laughs> he had issues. It wasn't like Pete, where he refused to get the beetle cut. He just didn't have enough hair to do it. Even on the Please Please Me cover, it's sort of attempting to be a little pompadour or something.
2: Yeah, you can't grow your hair any faster than it's going to grow, so...
1: And in fact, it was mentioned that Ringo finally got the beetle cut to stick 60 years ago this past week. It was well into March-April before he finally got the beetle haircut and matched everybody else. It's amazing what we know. (laughs) There are photos of Ringo at the barber, and they're dated, so... Right. It is a little bit weird, but hey collectively we have photos of them and certainly not a week went by other than maybe when they were in india and even then not a week went by when one or all of them didn't have their photo taken collectively or individually yeah
2: i mean that's part of the phenomenon in a way they had their photograph taken more than anybody else in the world and people kept track of what they did day to day. So we can look back and go, well, it was 60 years ago that he got his first beetle haircut. It's amazing the the detail that's out there.
1: And now we can track certainly through 63, 64, 65, 66, just by the clothes they wore. Oh yeah. If we don't know where a photo was taken, it's like, oh, well, Paul only wore this shirt on four different occasions.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. The other day, I uh, was talking to somebody on some thread, and, and there was a disagreement about these photos, and he kept saying that all the photos were from 63, and you could just tell that that was not the case, because their 64 hair is different than their 63 hair.
1: <laughs> you know, in the ruddles, you can tell that they cut a piece from 65 and put it back in 63 because they, they did the hair. <laughs> right. It goes from 64-type hair to 65-type hair, then back to 64-type hair. Okay. (laughs) That's what they're doing. Right. Our topic for this week, we brought it up a little bit last week. Uh, I surprised you by saying that what I really wanted to see box set-wise was an off-the-ground set with the Up Close and the Unplugged shows in it. So we decided, hey, let's bring up the Unplugged show Uh, which is really a great show.
2: Yeah, and I have to admit that I saw it at the time and then haven't seen it for the 30 years since. So it was an interesting revisit.
1: It's very different than any other live show Paul has ever done, in as much as he didn't really try and perfect anything. He did a couple takes of some songs, but it's not like he went in and even prettied everything up the way he's done on, well, Wings Over America.
0: I remember listening to it on the car on the way home and thinking, wow we don't need to touch this, this will do I think the record went out exactly as we recorded it
2: I thought to myself well, Paul is finally getting that show that he wanted to get back. Just go through it nothing fancy, He just go through the songs, and so it's a very good show he put it together really well.
1: What do you think of this band as opposed to Wings and as opposed to his current band? Now, this is the second version of Lumpy Trousers. Lumpy Trousers, Mark II. Blair Cunningham had come along and replaced Chris Whitten. Right. Chris was the Flowers and the Dirt drummer, and he played on the first McCartney tour. He was a little bit more of a rocker. Then he went off and joined Dire Straits. He was another victim of the, a retainer means a retainer means you're working for me.
2: <laughs>
1: right so they agreed to part chris whitten went off and joined dire straits and uh, paul found himself blair cunningham what do you know about blair cunningham I, very little tell you the truth i know he appears on a bunch of records but other than that i couldn't tell you much more i think that the band he
2: has now is the best one he's had they seem to be able to play
1: Over this version and over any version of Wings. Yes. Early on with this band, 2001, 2002, 2003, I thought they weren't a great fit, but they've grown together over the years. And they're really good now.
2: That's just the way uh, some things hit you. I'm not saying that they're better musicians or...
1: And that's not what I'm asking. I was just asking, which was kind of your favorite? I do have a soft spot for this version of the band. I really like the Flowers in the Dirt album. And as I said, I like Off the Ground a lot more than a lot of other people do. Right. This, much like the Granada Cavern show, was more or less the first time we ever saw Blair Cunningham. The whole thing with Chris Witten was over the Christmas holidays, and so they hired him, and they basically started this, again, like Get Back, on the 1st of January was when they started rehearsing this, 1991. In fact, wait a minute, let me introduce everyone. First of all, we got Robbie here. Robbie
0: McIntosh. Right, that's, that's enough, that's enough. Don't go mad, don't go mad. Save it, save it. Over here on piano we have Paul Wicks Wickens. <laughs> the back on drums here we have Chris Witten. I know, I know he looks different. I know he looks a bit different, but he's he's playing a lot better. Now, seriously, this is Blair Cunningham. <laughs> and over here is my wife and lady of many and many years, our Linda. And that's it. And that's it. That's the group complete. That's the whole. Oh, well, no, no. There is a, a lovely little blonde chappie over here. Hey, Miss Stewart. Okay, so here we go. So as you might have noticed, we're not plugged in, So, but this program is called Unplugged, so, you know, hence.
2: It the- uh-uh. came together really fast, I understand.
1: 22 years later, <laughs> the show was uh, recorded on the 25th of January, 1991, at Limehouse Studios. The first rehearsals were on the 1st and 2nd of January, 1991, so, you know, yeah. As with the Granada Cavern, it's like, they had a new drummer in tow.
2: <laughs> History repeats <of> itself. <laughs> the show itself was longer than what we've seen on DVD.
1: For sure. Although the whole version is out there. Yeah, you can if find it now. The whole show, in the order it was performed, is out there and available. It was probably about a third longer than what MTV actually showed. Right. And the other thing we need to say about. Unplugged is, this was going into the third year of Unplugged, and it wasn't really a success for MTV at the time.
2: Right. It took a while to to get going, and it became more famous. But McCartney was kind of the first, well, he was the first one to put out a, a CD of the performance.
1: And he was really the first big act. There are a couple really, really cool, really interesting things from the first two years of Unplugged. The Smithereens were um, in like 1989, 1990, and I really like that performance.
3: And now we want to bring back the Smithereens to join Grant Parker, and they're going to do an Unplugged version of a Smithereens song called Behind the Wall of Sleep. Here they out. Grant, you sure you know this song? <laughs> Jeannie Shrimpton Back in 1965 She had legs that never ended I was halfway paralyzed She was tall and cool and pretty And she dressed as black as coal If she asked me to I'd murder I would gladly lose my soul Now I lie in bed and her. Sometimes I even weep, and I dream of be behind the
2: wall of sleep. And I remember Squeeze being a band, and it was really good.
3: Pulling muscles to Michelle, pulling muscles to Michelle. Two fat ladies' window shops, something for the men of peace. All the nice sweet
2: little niece The big one was probably Nirvana and and Eric Clapton had a huge hit with Tears of Heaven
1: and the acoustic Layla.
2: yes. so you know it became a but much bigger deal, but I think McCartney kind of <laughs> set the trend with re- releasing a CD of it.
1: McCartney was the first big act and he really sort of, brought the concept to the fore. It's something that they were actually probably trying to repeat with the up-close concept, which just never took off because that was really nothing more than, oh, we're going to play a concert in an intimate place and tell stories in between. There was nothing really unique about up-close as a concept. What was special about Unplugged was, at least the McCartney Unplugged, was that he wanted to do it like Skiffle. There were no leads in any of the guitars everything was played through a microphone. Totally. So how much different is it to do that? I mean, as someone who has had to transpose their music from maybe not necessarily playing through a microphone and singing without leads, but uh, just having to change the stylings of your songs from an electric arrangement into an acoustic type thing.
2: First of all, in playing the instrument, there's a different feel to it playing an electric guitar is nothing like that wooden sound of an acoustic guitar and for me it kind of changes just the way you play and you can't mess with it as much as electric guitar you have all sorts of effects and reverbs and all that
1: the elimination of pedals and
2: i mean it totally changes the way things feel and so i think that reflects and, and a bunch of the arrangements that that McCartney did here.
3: Tequila.
1: And at least from the perspective of how he's playing, he tends to slow down the tempos a little bit. He does. Well, he
2: was 49.
1: (laughs) His voice still sounded really, really good at this point in time. You know, maybe not at its absolute peak, but it was there.
2: There's a certain range that he can hit without forcing it. He does all the little ooze and things like that. Sometimes with help from Hamish. (laughs)
1: Two songs, one of which didn't make the show where he lets Hamish actually sing the full lead, and then another where it's almost a duet. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, the TV version of the show starts off with Bebopalula. It's, you know, a song that is steeped in Beatles history. Paul met me the first day I
3: did Bebopalula live on stage.
1: Paul really, really. Loved the song, and it's interesting that he opens up, or at least he opens up on the TV show, with an oldie.
2: Going right back to the beginning, that kind of indicates that he put thought into how he was going to do this. However, in the concert, it doesn't start off with Lula. That wasn't part of his, his thinking. But he also starts off with several copy tunes when he played this uh, show for the audience. You know, he did like Mean Woman Blues and Matchbox and Midnight Special.
1: And all of those songs are still songs which will find their way into a soundcheck these days.
2: Yeah, play his favorites.
1: Either way, either in the show as performed or in the TV version, he's starting off with an oldie. You know, something <laughs> yes. from the 50s. It's something we're going to hear a lot of, and you know, it, it may well have been his thought that the setting lends itself to playing 50s songs.
2: Right, and the band didn't want to learn. P.S. I love you. So,
1: <laughs> well, at that time it was P.S. Love me, do, don't forget. Uh, oh, that's right. The dreaded medley mashup of the only two Beatles songs he's owned at at the time. (laughs) So the lineup is basically as you would expect. You have Paul playing a guitar. You have Robbie and Hamish playing guitars. You have Wicks playing accordion. You have Blair Cunningham playing the drums. And you have Linda (laughs) mostly standing around.
2: Yes, she plays a, a mean tambourine and a shaker. And, you know, in watching
1: her, she doesn't even really sing that much. I don't know so, if she had a mic. I think she did. For whatever reason, they seem to limit themselves on the number of microphones they had on the stage. The drummer didn't even have a mic. Paul goes behind the drums in "You Know Sunshine, which we'll talk about at the end of this show. He's out there giving his little exclamations, and you can just barely hear it because there's no mic there. <laughs>
2: well, it's an extra 50 pounds for a mic.
1: <laughs> well there you go but uh, as far as on Bebopalula <laughs> it seems like Melinda's even only hitting the tambourine on the four on oh, the four done 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 bump done 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 bump <laughs> So, I mean it's not like she's bored or not paying attention but that was what That's... they gave her to do
2: <laughs> right maybe if they had to put it together really, really fast they had to limit what she was going to play and Wix was there anyway you know he was going to Cover the keyboard parts, really.
1: For the most part, yeah. You know, he has two accordions, and this just convinces me how really good Wix was and is as a keyboard player. Yeah. He can make those accordions sing. <laughs> right. So Bebopalula is followed by the unplugged intro. Very 90s looking, and we are into 90s nostalgia nowadays, apparently. Oh, huh. who knew? <laughs> well, I mean, that is what the kids tell us. Paul comes up to the mic, he tells us that Welcome to Unplugged, the program where everybody takes their plugs out and goes mad. Very Paul McCartney.
2: It feels uncomfortable, in a way.
1: Stage pattern?
2: Yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of weak. I remember it being quite a light-hearted thing.
0: And the banter was more like sort of bits of stand-up comedy, really.
1: Again, because normally he goes for fully-fledged, fully-written-out stage patter. And if we're not comedians, then Paul's not a comedian either, although he is very funny. (laughs)
2: Sometimes, yeah.
1: That then goes into I Lost My Little Girl. This was at a time when we hadn't heard that much of it, and this was probably the first fully fledged version of it what we'd kind of gotten through we'll even get back and then the couple times he pulled it out for radio people is just like half a verse
0: yeah i like the idea that the bass line would go up then i wanted this to come down you get that little thing that was the big thing for me yeah. so it was just I woke up late this morning my head was in a whirl we did not realize I lost my little girl her clothes were not expensive her hair didn't always curl uh-huh, but it is interesting the first song I should write it's got a little contrapuntal thing going. Absolutely, you know, acting down and Cheap that two parts off. going on at the same
1: yeah. time, right out of the box. Yeah, unusual for a you young kid.
2: Well, I think that's all it ever was. I mean, even in this version,
1: he wrote another verse.
2: Yeah, and the bridge about it, the fact that it was his first song. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
3: uh, uh.
2: You know, he kind of created a longer song, but that's kind of a late edition, because in the early days, that's all he played, was that first
1: verse. And he's pulled out this version a couple times in the ensuing years. Right. As he describes it... So you take a G, and you take a G7, and then a C. And then maybe a bit of F, I must admit. (laughs) Any other chords in there you want to note? (laughs) It's kind of cool that he knew G7. In the early days, yeah, G and C, it's obvious. For most 14-year-olds, you're not going to have a G7 in between there.
2: Well, it doesn't take much to go from a G to G G7, but it's the movement of one string, one fret. So it's an early chord to learn.
1: Before, they had to get on the bus and go and find the guy who knew.
2: B7, yeah. That's a different one. And F was hard to learn, actually, so...
1: That was the new chord that he had learned, and he's going to put this into the song he's writing, which got one verse in, and this is hard.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, you just might repeat the same verse over and over. Look, I wrote a song. You're not thinking about your your
1: bridge. And Paul tended to write bridges later, almost as an afterthought. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thinking of the world without love story.
2: Why tell me why... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, Paul, we'd like to record that song. Can you finish it? Oh, all right. Right. He went in his bedroom and wrote the bridge and uh, fleshed out the second version. Here you go, take it. Maybe that's why John didn't like it. It had no bridge. (laughs) That could be. So do you think this is fun or do you think it's too clever by half to be doing this here in this show?
2: I guess I'd heard... That on a boot before it came out on this. I was familiar with the tune.
1: I I knew it was one of the ones that came out on the Get Back boots pretty early on.
2: Yeah. So, for me, adding that bridge is just like, that was unnecessary. Just play the little piece and you don't have to make a song out of it because it's not really a song.
1: It's just kind of How are we going to make this into a song? Well, I'll I'll add a little jokey bridge here. And it's followed by what he always says about that song.
0: He never did it because of that line. uh, Her hair wouldn't always curl. Couldn't handle that line.
1: Still. There you go. Okay. right, then. And John couldn't think of anything better?
2: No. In fact... Something's going to come up in a little bit, and I'll talk to you about that.
1: All right. Paul did actually take a sip of water. He was willing to drink something on stage during this show. They all have these giant pink solo cups. Uh, That's what MTV could afford, huh?
2: Right. Well, maybe the roadie brought them.
1: It's just something that you notice while watching. It's like, oh, wow. And it's not just Paul. They all have these giant pink solo cups that come in and out periodically during the show.
2: Yeah, there's somebody who brings the water, so...
1: There's one or two stage people.
0: I remember the uh, floor assistant coming up. She looked like a little comedy character who just been hired to come on and do some nonsense get woman, lines. Get that woman out of the bloody place! I can't, I can't work with that!
1: Paul goes on again in the slightly uncomfortable announcement.
3: Many years later, I writ this one.
1: <laughs> and he goes into what is a... Actually, pretty different version of here, there, and everywhere. Right. I wrote down that I felt like Hamish's
2: harmony is is kind of weird at f- first, and I, I, I played it back a couple of times, and it may be just the way it's mixed, but it's rough.
3: Got too long.
1: The mix of the two voices isn't perfect. This is one of the ones where you can hear Hamish a lot. And, and Hamish was clearly taking the role that Abe takes now. He was singing or starting to sing, you know, some of the high parts that Paul was having trouble reaching.
2: Yeah. Well, he's clearly got the, the higher voice. That's the role he takes in quite a few of these songs.
1: They slowed it down. It's quite different to either the. Broad Street version or the original, this is one that they clearly put some work into, even though the mix on the harmonies may not be perfect. Yeah. This is also one of the ones where Linda seems to be playing that keyboard thing, and, and there's a little door in front that she seems to be squeezing air in and out of. We don't know what instrument that is that she's playing. I think it's a bellows of some sort. So, all right, it moves on from there into Blue Moon of Kentucky, which is a song which has been part of the McCartney set list since the early days of Wings, the live set list. Uh, That was Denny Lane who did that in the 72 Wings tours. Yeah.
2: Starts off slow, bluesy. Bluesy, a little
1: bit more country.
2: Yeah, bluesy country. And then halfway through it kicks into what is it effect the Elvis version.
3: Shining bright.
1: And it's interesting to see them do that on the
2: acoustics. My first thought was I really like the, the Threedles version of that.
0: Cool, man. Yeah. Well, couldn't we do Blue Moon of Kentucky? Yeah. well uh, Blue Moon. Oh. Yeah, man. He's got the chords. What's the opener? Hey, man. Uh, Just a short version. Blue Moon.
3: Blue moon, keep shining bright Blue moon, keep on shining bright My baby back tonight, blue moon Keep shining bright When I said blue moon, I can't talk You just keep on shining Shine on the one that's gonna let me blue Well, blue moon, I can't talk You just keep on shining Shine on the one that's gonna let me blue well, it was on that moonlight night when the stars shined bright, wind blowing high. My love said goodbye. the shine on the water. It's gonna let me blue
1: That's the one where George said we're only going to do the short version.
2: Yes, <laughs> but I liked it. There's definitely an enthusiasm there from the three of them. It's not quite there on this version,
1: but it's close. I like the Elvis bit more than I like the slow bit, although, I mean, it's kind of the same trick that he does with something that on stage these days instead of the ukulele he just you know starts off with a slow thing and then breaks into what would be an an electric break but here it's all on the acoustics it just ups the tempo and goes into effectively the elvis version of the tune it's kind of cool just how much elvis paul does in this show you know he introduces this as being from uh, from bill monroe joke joke matt monroe's dad he is pretty much playing the elvis version here
2: Yeah, well, you know, reading about their early days, I think there's a certain amount of the idea that McCartney could do voices. He could do Elvis. He could do Little Richard. You know, he he could actually do people in a way. So he could use that voice on command.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you go back to the BBC stuff where he does almost a spot on That's All Right Mama. Oh, yeah. He didn't have the full range of Elvis's voice, but he could get pretty close.
2: Right. But as a club act, I think, you know, him doing Elvis, is that's that's a cool thing. Him being able to do Little Richard probably just made everybody's jaws drop. He had that ability.
1: To a certain extent, he must have been thinking, this is almost just like a club show.
2: Yeah. He's doing Skiffle.
1: As he will point out, during the course of the show on your bike oh lovely 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 now
0: oh, lovely
1: then we, we move on to a, a version of We Can Work It Out. Although he starts, he gets the words wrong, and he stops, and they left that in.
0: Are
3: we ready? <laughs> yeah. One, two, three, four. Try to see it in my way, will I'm right I'm I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone.
0: I only got the words wrong, didn't I? <laughs> Been a long time. This is so informal, we'll start again. Well, a few more woo-hoos. Yeah! Wait a minute,
3: what is the word? (laughs) Do I have to? I got it, I got it. One, two, three, four. (laughs) Try to see it in my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I
2: can't Like a club show. No overdubs.
1: <laughs> what they don't tell us is that he actually did it a third time at the end of the show. It goes from the the version which stops into the version that he did at the very end of the show. These weren't two consecutive performances of the song right they're allowed a little bit of TV trickery. <laughs> Yes. And he's either changed the lyrics or Paul has chosen to use different lyrics. There's no teleprompter here, and it doesn't appear that he has sheets of lyrics written out in front of him, which is also kind of interesting.
2: I think he's got a set list in front of him, and that's about it.
1: While Paul's not John, he doesn't completely remember lyrics all the time. Love may not last long is the new line, and we can work it out. Why do you Then we go into uh, I've Just Seen A Face. Are you ready, Robbie? Your starter for 10. After two. One, two. I've just
0: seen a face, I can't forget the time or place. We first met, she's
3: just to girl for me. I want all the world to see we've met.
1: A pretty decent version he likes to play with i've just seen a face you know he's done this in a couple different styles this is a little bit different from what's on the record but not too much
2: it leans a little country and as a matter of fact <laughs> when robbie starts the guitar solo
1: he says i'm picking so he's doing the hee-haw thing and you got to give robbie credit here i've always really loved robbie's playing but here he does some special stuff he's cooking on that guitar i think yeah good performance and here's where paul goes well that's near enough for skiffle (laughs)
2: right i think it's a good version there's only a, a couple of things that you know they they kind of take out the the detail that was in the recording It's not a big deal.
1: They did that in 76 on the Wings Over America tour as well. Yeah. Although this is almost nothing like that version. That's true. On Wings Over America, it was arranged to be almost a little bit more folk, I think. Yeah, And here, it's back to country a little bit more. It's a little bit more in line with the recording, but it's not... A replication of the recording.
2: Right. But he plays the opening riff, like the recording, just slightly changed. And the lead is what George played. So it was pretty close.
1: All right. Then we go into something from McCartney every night. I mean, the McCartney songs are obviously perfectly suited for this setting.
2: Yeah, for sure. And this is pretty good. They do uh, a whole acapella bit. The ooze that have more harmonies added to them. It's very thick harmony as opposed to uh, the duet that's in the original recording.
1: Do you like that or do you
2: think it's too much? Well, that's again, personal call. I don't like it as much as the duet because I like the simplicity of that recording. But when they do the a cappella version of the ooze, it works better with the fuller harmony.
1: Then into one that you might not have expected him to play in this show, uh, She's a Woman, <laughs> which translates into the acoustic vibe much better than I thought it was going to be. It's ever so slightly loungy, maybe. She's a woman
3: who understands.
1: She's
3: a woman who loves a man.
2: I wrote that it kind of had a, a country bounce to it. This is the one thing. When you talk about her hair wouldn't curl. <laughs> and uh, I lost my little girl. I thought, I'm surprised that John didn't put up more of a fight with, I know that she's no peasant, you know, in order to rhyme with presents. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else are you going to get to rhyme with presents? Right. So you change your word, but yeah, it it's just a weird thing. It's like, really? Are you really going to sing? I know she's no peasant. And it just, in this acoustic stripped down version, it's, it's
1: even more noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Although, you know, Paul's having fun. There's a little <laughs> bit of the old beetle twinkle in his eye. Yeah. When he's up there singing it. What I want to know is whether Paul had heard the uh, double fantasy outtakes at this time
3: what key do you keep playing that thing in oh e well my god too high my lord don't bring me presents she don't know where it says
1: come on get out of there The band that John had kept going into She's a Woman, and John would react to it differently each time. Sometimes he sang along. Sometimes he would just start telling off little jokes, and then sometimes he just say, you know, stop that. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, oh, gee, I wonder if Paul had actually heard that by this point. I'm going to guess no.
2: (laughs) I've seen his... His recorded output. He's not listening to John and outtakes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's something that someone might have sent him on a tape. It's like, <laughs> you might find this funny. <laughs> I will take your word on that. Uh, that's something we'll never be able to prove.
2: Never, never.
1: At least I'll mention it here. Because it is fun for just to think that he might have. It's kind of a weird song for him to be pulling back.
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I've, I've played it in... Rehearsal situations because it's a cool beat and it's fun.
1: That's why the band or John's band may have been okay. We'll do this, and it's like <laughs> I've had enough of that. Right? That's not where I come from. I, I don't want I don't want all that Beatles stuff. The camera turns around into the audience. We we get a very punk-looking Stella and Mary in '91. Not unexpected. but It's just kind of funny. And there's a teenage james by the side of the stage i believe although we never actually really get a good shot of him i didn't notice that so we move on to uh and i love her after some banter with hamish one of paul's jokes that he likes having a good time as if you'd say no this is a harmony driven version of and i love her it's the one that i was mentioning was almost a duet yeah it is my lover
3: brings, she brings to me, I am a lover, a love life.
2: very pretty Uh, i like the arrangement it's slower
1: like everything in the show it's ever so slightly more country i think
2: i wonder why that is the acoustic guitars
1: it may be the acoustic guitars and it is significantly different from the recorded version this this is one of the ones where he slowed it down not just a little bit he slowed it down a lot
2: yeah he did it sounds really good i think
1: it's just different yes I Remember listening to it at the time, it's like, oh wow. And if Paul had made the accession, I'm gonna play Beatles stuff, but he was still kind of going to mess with it in the up close special. He does just a country picking version of uh, what uh, can't buy me love, then back to McCart. That would be something another really nice version. Uh, yeah. Robbie's playing the Dobro, I love the Dobro, you know, the, the resonator that is one of my favorite acoustic guitar sounds,
2: yeah. This is actually my my favorite thing on the whole CD, particularly after reading the the McCartney Legacy book, you know, how much the composition of those and recording of those songs was experimentation. So this is a chance to take the song as already written. We know how it goes. I mean, I thought the Dobro just sounds so cool.
3: Well, that would be something
1: Even though it's only one person singing, Paul kind of overlays the various "Meet You in the Falling Rains," so it almost almost gives you a double tracked effect. Even though you know it's only the one guy up there singing,
2: I also noticed that it changes because the drums are much more straightforward rather than what McCartney does on the recording.
1: A lot of people actually prefer this version to the McCartney version, and I can see why.
2: Yeah, it's it's very good. I, mean, I like the McCartney version,
1: but... I like the McCartney right. version as well, but this is different. This this is more or less a full band arrangement. Right. Then it goes on to Blackbird, and <laughs> Black- Paul tells a little story about one of the PAs who kept referring to the song as Blackboard. <laughs> Blackboard, right. Let's do a little song now. Retitled Blackboard. Blackboard singing in the dead of the whether it's actually the same PA or not, young lady just happens to come by on the stage and Paul accuses her it's you, it's you
0: This is a song that the lady at rehearsal called Blackboard I said, no, 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 that's Blackbird Subtle difference <laughs> Oh, she's a big fan <laughs> That's her! Now <laughs> oh, yeah, she's nicking me water. Look at this! Taking me paper, isn't it? Are we Are doing blackboard, love?
3: <laughs> blackboard! Come in if she likes this one, go
0: on. You, she you won't pay her next.
3: Go on! <gasps> oh, it's
0: supposed to be a serious show showing our acoustic, you know, mm-hmm. versatility.
1: Love moves over behind the piano and does it seated.
2: Yes. You know, I wrote down, this is a so-so version, which being what it is, is brilliant.
1: (laughs) It's much looser in feel.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: It's just this side of sloppy.
2: Well, I'd say it's the campfire version. (laughs) Tim just played his guitar and you don't get the big foot tapping sound effect so it's not as marshaled um <laughs> and so it, it is kind of loose but it's it's great
1: as an alternate version it's a really great live version i think yeah we have the rehearsals we have the demos and this is probably the loosest of all of them yeah then paul comes back and tells us that as they're tuning guitars we used to do a whole sets out of tune <laughs> Now only part of the set is out of tune, so I guess we're improving.
2: <laughs> so that kind of goes with that story that John told about detuning his his D string just a little so I, maybe he could hear it.
1: Then we go into Good Rocking Tonight. Paul's having great fun. He, he does a little Elvis moves here. <laughs> right. Some of the m- biggest McCartney dance moves we ever get. And then once again, Robbie on the guitar that is some terrific playing
2: yeah it's enthusiastic version and
1: energetic as i keep saying they're having a great time on this show yeah then paul announces it's been a pleasure for us even though it's a bit of a sweat and now that we have a slightly higher resolution copy you really can see he was sweating up there
2: yeah he was.
1: the word is that it was actually pretty warm in the studio that day but still You don't normally see him putting up quite that much of a sweat.
2: Yeah, he uses the towel frequently.
1: Again, the same sort of joke he made earlier. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you haven't, well, too bad.
0: (laughs) All right, thank you very much. This has been a pleasure for us, even though a bit of a sweat, but it's been a pleasure for us to see all your lovely little smiling faces. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed it anyway. if you haven't, too bad. (laughs) Okay, we're going to finish off with a little song, which is a hit a long time ago, and this one is
1: called Sangin' the Blues.
2: Open with favorite copy tune and close with a favorite copy tune.
1: Really nice. It's a good cover version. It's something which goes along well with how they're playing. Right. Over the closing credits, we get sing-along junk.
2: Right. And that's a nice version.
1: wanted to talk about a couple of things and we'll actually run through the whole set list just so you know how it actually was on the day on the cd paul went behind the drums and they did a version of ain't no sunshine the bill withers song
2: yeah they actually did two versions
1: well they did it twice right
3: wonder this time when she's gone is she really going to stay Sunshine when she's gone, and she's always gone too long. Anytime Anytime she goes away, anytime she goes away, anytime she goes away, anytime.
0: Ok, look you Hamish. And Robbie on piano of all people. <laughs> hey, oh she's back. Sorry, then, to you? Would you like to do that again?
3: Oh you would? Yes.
0: Oh we'd like to do that again,
3: yeah. Should yes. We Should we do that one again?
0: <laughs> 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 and here's one I prepared earlier. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Should we do that number again, Robbie?
1: they had to do some pickups at the end of the show of what's on youtube i think the first version is better than the, than the second version
2: i uh, yeah i think so
1: hamish is emoting a little bit more
2: yeah You know, it's a a tough song to do because there's a lot of breathing issues in it. And uh, I think he's more prepared in the first version than in the
1: second. They've switched around instruments. So Robbie's on the piano and Paul is with the brushes behind the drums.
2: You know, there's that ongoing thing about the second to last verse on Dear Prudence, where the drums go from being pretty simple into some really interesting overdubs. And the question always been, is it Ringo or is it Paul? And watching this performance, I mean, I know it's years later, but I just felt like, I don't know that Paul could have done that because he's not that kind of drummer.
1: It demonstrates his drumming skills very well. You know, he's not a poor drummer. He's not unskilled, but he is not a fancy drummer.
2: Right. He can play well, but... Just not that style at all. It's not in any of the little flourishes he puts in. That's just my observation. Mark Lewis will tell me whether I'm right or wrong.
1: We'll find out. But his brushwork is more subtle than I thought it might have been. It's very much of a piece with the drumming on "Band on the Run." Yeah, we get a much better feel for how Paul is as a drummer. And you know, I, I tend to agree. The it's looking more and more like. There may have been an undocumented session at Trident. And in fact, we now know that there was a day which is not recorded as being a Beatles session, but Ringo was around for the last day at Trident. Uh There's now like some fan photos of Ringo at Trident, you know, after he returned from his trip. It would have been very easy to just duck in and... Do a little overdub there. The other Beatles song which he did that I wanted to mention was the uh, things we said today which is really pretty cool.
3: Someday when I'm lonely wishing you were so far away then I would
1: remember things we said today It's another one which you wouldn't necessarily expect him to do in the unplugged setting but it works surprisingly well you can find it on youtube it's out there it was officially released as a b-side to one of the off the ground singles and it showed up on the uh, two cd version the off the ground complete works and then as far as video you know the whole show has been booted which is why i want the whole show in its entirety the MTV version and the rehearsals because we know that there is full video of at least a couple days worth of rehearsals and a whole bunch of different songs that they were working on.
3: Well the rock and line is a mighty good road. The rock and line is a road to ride. The rock and line is a mighty good road. If you wanna ride, you gotta ride like you find to get your ticket at the station on the rock and line
1: going through the complete set list from the day, Mean Woman Blues, Matchbox, Midnight Special. We already talked about that. He started out with the three cover songs. Midnight Special, one of Paul's favorites. We always have to mention it because well, it's about Houston. (laughs) Yes. Sugarland.
0: Down in Houston in Texas there's a jail behave yourself there's a jail called Sugarland. And every night at midnight, the train runs past that jail. And the legend is, if the light shines on you, you're going to be released.
3: The train's called a Midnight Special. Well, if you ever get to Schuster, you better act right.
1: Then we cut in where the TV special cuts in. It's that we get I Lost My Little Girl. We get Here, There, and Everywhere. We get uh, San Francisco Bay Blues, which is a really nice song. I don't know it.
3: so far
1: away I didn't mean to treat her so bad His ticket lady was from San Francisco and he always used to dedicate it to her. <laughs> then uh, We Can Work It Out, Blue Moon of Kentucky, I've Just Seen A Face Every Night. So Bebop-A-Lula was actually in the middle of the set. and
2: It could be that the band was settled in and it felt good by the middle of the set. So it's like, let's take a song for the middle of the set and use it as our introduction.
1: Uh, especially since the opening credits come after that. And I agree, it's got a little bit more feel than if they were just coming in cold. Then that's followed by She's a Woman and I love her and The Fool, which is uh, an old Lee Hazelwood song. Uh, I think Paul is doing the Elvis version of it. That would make sense. Now we got a country
0: western tune here which is done by some fellow called Samford Clark a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> It's an old song. It's called The
3: Fool. And drink to a fool, a crazy fool,
1: baby goodbye. Although the way Paul plays it, he plays it slightly more country than Elvis did. Right. But again, it's you have to accommodate acoustic instruments. Right. Then things we said today that would be something blackbird uh high heel sneakers which did actually make the uh, cd version of the show good rockin tonight junk the two versions of Ain't no sunshine the other version of we can work it out which is the one that's actually in the show and singing the blues was how the show ended right it's a nice little show it is kind of a relic of the 90s but paul's performance is top notch yeah i
2: i'd Never get the feeling he was, you know, dialing it in in any sense of the word. There was thought put into all this and in good arrangements uh, for the most part.
1: All right. Any last thoughts on this?
2: Well, I enjoyed seeing it after all this time. So if you particularly if you haven't seen it in a while or never seen it, you should check it out.
1: Most of it is available on the Internet, but it has been cut up for probably copyright reasons. It was on Paramount Plus, but I went and checked before we started recording and it's not there right now. So either there are legal issues or it was only there for a limited time. So it may come back, but that's the other place. Paramount Plus does indeed have access to the unplugged catalog. Whether we get the stuff back or not, it's never been released on video.
2: Hmm.
1: Once again, box, guys. <laughs> Even just an unplug box <laughs> I'll take that Right We've got the whole show We've got rehearsals on video And we've got at least three CDs full of material And I would really like to hear How they came to the arrangements
2: Well, I hope they're listening
1: <laughs> Alright, very good So we will be back next week with a new show
2: Yes, we will And we'll see you then <laughs>
1: to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by J. Young Kim, Beast Famin Studios, San Francisco, California.
2: McCartney, spurred on by the success of his appearance on MTV's Unplugged Show, is currently undertaking a series of low-key gigs at small venues. Macker and the band swept into the quiet British seaside resort of Westcliff-on-Sea on on Friday to perform to fans that have queued for up to two days.
0: After we'd done Unplugged, um, we liked the idea of doing the acoustic set. And so we thought, well, if we're going to do some small gigs, that, that's where we'll start, we'll do an acoustic set. Three.
3: i tell you one thing, there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals. But they've got no bread to do it on. Not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people, but the are scraping the barrel for funds to keep going. Turned up nice
1: again.